Going on 14. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 152 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And I never thought I'd say this, but my favorite celebrity couple of the year is Christopher Walken and John Travolta. (laughs) True story. (laughs) That was probably my favorite part. Yeah. So, yeah, we're talking about Hairspray uh, from the uh, 1988 original film and then the 2007, not quite remake, but adaptation of the musical that the original inspired. Yes. And uh, by John Waters in the first part. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, Yeah. So Hairspray. This was this was kind of pulled out of our ear on this one. I we really didn't. It was suggested, and we... Was that your ear? Yes. <laughs> you, you passed it behind my back while I was gone. Well, yep. Like, you have a say. <laughs> well, and it was weird, because we didn't realize at the time that we have the full spectrum of experience when it comes to these two films. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick had seen neither. Mike had seen both. I had seen the old very many times, but never the new. And Joel had seen the new very many times, but never the original. Hmm. And this is the first musical that we have uh, covered. And just oh, so you know, true. Willy Wonka doesn't count because I asked. Yeah. Wonka doesn't count just because there's not like. It doesn't well, rely on. Everybody fast forwards through the mom's uh, song. That's... Well, it doesn't rely on music to carry the story forward. There's songs that are sprinkled throughout, but they're not integral. And it's like people don't break out into song randomly. Unless you're an Oompa Loompa, and then it's your job. Right. They get paid you, to do that. If you're an Oompa Loompa with a job, I bet you I know something that'll interest you. Is you it a job I, offer? I, I work with <laughs> what I'm given. Uh I was talking about the uh, Podcast Collective, of course, the uh, network Mm. which we are a part of that also features the podcast's Bad Parenting Podcast on the block. Is that right? On the block? Yes. Uh, No Hope for Humanity, the Coffin Joe cast. Joel should stop editing what (laughs) I'm I'm not doing it. The Sunshine Happy Pants Hour, Dating Baggage, The Internet with Scott the Pool Boy, I Am Salt Lake, Minton Boxcast, Tales from the Hard Side, The Dog and Deuce Show, and The Rad Dad Radio Hour. Yes. And if you're uh, <laughs> editing your list of podcasts and accidentally jacking up uh, Josh's uh, Josh's run there, uh, you can also listen to us at Geek Life Radio at noon on Saturdays. Why you would be doing that at noon on Saturdays, or really at any time, is a mystery. I don't know. It is a mystery <laughs> to me, too. <laughs> It's like his, one of his biggest pet peeves, and, and he's just doing it right to you. <laughs> it's like, yeah, let's reformat this while he's reading it. <laughs> no way this will go south. Well, the, uh, if you are looking for any of our older shows, specifically 1 through 30, as we've been ho- told on uh, Facebook. Multiple uh, yeah. times. Yeah. Mike's got to get his ass in gear on that, that bastard. Uh, iTunes, Blueberry. Oh, those meat bags can wait. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Sorry. The Texas contingent has had its say. <laughs> iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and Talk Show. And if you'd like to leave us a voicemail at 708 now wrap 708-669-9727. And as always, you can reach out to us on Twitter at 40go14 or shoot us an email at 40go14 at gmail.com. What yeah. about if Do you it. want to find us this week? 
Oh, yeah. Well, no. Uh, no, this is going to be after Gen Con, so Damn they, it. they won't be able to find us. If you hey, hung out with us you. at Gen Con, right on. <laughs> we had a good time. Unless we didn't. In which case, I'm sorry. In fact, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna apologize in the future for anything I'm gonna do next week right now. You mean last week. Right. So if you were hanging out with me last week, but that was a week after we recorded this, I'm previously apologizing for anything that I do. And Seth, thank you for the bail money. Now I'm sad. Holy crap is it about that time. <laughs> is it that bad? <laughs> This week in music, movies, and TV. Alright, so this week we are doing February 16th, 1988, which is the pre-release of Hairspray in Baltimore. 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 Uh... Music, the number one song in the land is Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up. Nice. Yeah. The country was Rick Rolled. <laughs> but we didn't know it yet. Who wasn't it wasn't it Sinbad who had him on his show and didn't realize that he was white until he showed up? That sounds right. Seems legit. Sounds like Sinbad. I, I think that was everyone until they saw the first Rick Astley music video. <laughs> Everybody's like, What? Who's this ginger? <laughs> so uh also Aston Ian Marigold was born February 13th. He's a British singer, songwriter, dancer, and television personality. Best known for being in the British boy band JLS, which is not the acronym of the week, I've been told. No, it is not. And it's not the Justice League either. <laughs> Justice League San Diego. <laughs> which is <laughs> means the whale's vagina. <laughs> uh, what? The, <laughs> San Diego. San Diego. <laughs> The runners-up in the fifth season of The X Factor. In 2013, Marigold became a judge on the British dance talent show Got to Dance. He is currently working on his debut solo album Showstopper, which was released in May of 2016 with the lead single Get Stupid. And I was really waiting for him to be dead by the end of that sentence. Well, (laughs) by 2018, he'll be on the the TV show Gotta Pee. Wait, I, that sentence, he is currently working on it, which was released in May of 2016. So he's still working on uh, yeah. no, after it was just, released. Well, the lead was, single is yeah. Get Stupid. Yeah, that, that was that was just an editing error. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I was like, that, that sentence really doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, no. Yep. All I right. cut and pasted it and just didn't, didn't correct the verbiage. As Seems all. legit. Right. Didn't correct the tense. So, born February 20th in Bridgetown, Barbados. We went over this. It's Barbados. I know. <laughs> Barbados Slim. Barbados. You told me, to pause. You told pause. me to You told me to pause <laughs> after that. Man, I was waiting for something. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I just was trying to tell you for your own sake. It's a long sentence. I was just Pat's trying to be nice. played the piano. So you, it's a long <laughs> sentence, so you gave me five words into it to take a break. Nice. That's yeah. a pregnant pause. So, recording artist, actress, fashion designer, and occasional Chris Brown punching bag, (laughs) Rihanna has earned numerous awards and accolades, including six Grammys, five AMAs, and 22 Billboard Awards. She has sold over 100 million records worldwide, and in 2012, Forbes named her the fourth most powerful celebrity of 2012, with earnings of 53 million. The same year, Time named Rihanna one of the 100 most influential people in the world. 
Chris Brown did not like that shit at all. Yikes. That, she's also that. capable of finishing an album before it's released, too. Yeah. Was that- <laughs> she, she's currently working on her 2015 debut. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Gonna get it right, damn it. <laughs> so, movies. Like Chinese democracy. What? Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, no. The Serpent in the Rainbow is the number one movie in the land, and that was a pretty damn good movie. Yeah, creepy. Yeah. Creepy. This had uh, uh, Lone Star in it, right? Did it? Yeah. Who's the guy who played Lone Star, Josh? Bill Pullman? Bill Pullman. Yeah, Bill Pullman was in that. I was going to say, Lone Star is the first place you go for Bill Pullman? I mean, it's a great <laughs> movie, but... It's Spaceballs. Come on, we why would it not? just did Independence Day. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to be too topical. <laughs> So wait, am oh. I am I right on that? No, it yeah. was um no, it was uh Tim Robbins, wasn't it? No, you're thinking of Jacob's Ladder. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Both creepy movies. Yeah, Jacob's Ladder was was him. This is Bill Pullman. Both <laughs> that creepy. sounded like a motorcycle when he did that, or like a dirt bike. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 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 He's going off roading. <laughs> movies this week include Hairspray and the acronym of the week. S-A-D. Yes, of course, that's slap all dildos. <laughs> no, that's stand and deliver. You were close. Uh, I actually had another one prepared and forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, okay. Vietnam. <laughs> well, we could re- reverse it back. What I meant to say is stretch all dick holes. <laughs> that's better. Ow. That's better. Yeah, was- With slapped dildos. Moving on. Yeah, okay, let's do that. Uh, wow. Batteries not included. Bloodsport, Action Jackson, and the unbearable lightness of being. Wow. I freaking loved batteries not included. I was really worried you were going to say unbearable lightness of being. <laughs> <laughs> That's my I mean, y- You could have expected me to maybe end that with Good Morning Vietnam or Bloodsport, but really, batteries not included. I call out because so few other people seem to remember it, or if they remember it, so they don't tend to like it. I, I never like saw it. it. A whole bunch of little uh, alien spacecraft visit a old age home. Yeah, yeah, dude. I saw a, uh, a drive-in with the unbearable lightness of being in Bloodsport. That was a good night. That's mm. not true. I saw stretch out dickles. <laughs> Are you done? Twice. All right. So February- <laughs> <laughs> oh, the horse is deflating. On February 21st, Dudley Moore marries actress Brogan Lane at the Little Chapel of the we- Little Chapel of the West in Las Vegas. Nice, cool. That actually is very fitting. He was drunk at the time. Afshan Azad was born February 12th. She is an English actress model best known for playing the role of Padma Patil in the Harry Potter film series. Yep, I remember her. Yeah. TV, the top TV shows were The Cosby Show, Roseanne, and A Different World. Three shows ending their runs this week were The Charmings, don't know that one, Sledgehammer. Yes! <laughs> I used to love that show. Yeah. And Mr. President. Oh, man. Sledgehammer was like, that was my jam when it was on. It was so dumb. It was kind of dumb. Do yeah. You, do you remember the one that they did that was parroting um, uh, Witness? Where he, no. was, where, oh. he, where he was on an Amish farm, and he's talking. He They have the silhouette of the girl taking the shower, and he does this whole confession to her about he how he finds her so attractive, but he, they can never be together. And then the curtain pulls back, and it's her dad, and he's like this dumpy Amish dude. 
Uh, seems about right. Pat, are Joel and I the only ones that have seen that? I wasn't a fan, so I didn't watch it. Uh, I I wasn't a huge fan of it either. It was a little too dumb for me. Oh, it was, it was yeah, same here. Kind of a six spiritual successor to Naked Gun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was trying to be the Naked Gun, but it didn't really make it. It was perfectly. It was the nut. It was the the partially clothed gun. It was like Naked Gun by way of Dirty Harry. Waiting for Netflix to bring it back. I'm with you. Had a great theme song. There was a theme song. Oh yeah, theme music was a Danny Elfman track. Huh. I wanna be uh, a sledgehammer. No. Uh, Anyway, that show, The Charmings, was about Prince Charming and his family. Like if they moved into the suburbs and lived a regular suburb life. Hang on. I I wonder that's not on the air anymore. And Mr. President was starring George C. Scott as the president. Here we go. And Marilyn Monroe. Sledgehammer theme song. Oh, yeah. That's definitely Danny Elfman. Yeah. And it's just an entire minute of a gun. Different angles of this gun. gun. I'm going to make them my ringtone, see who recognizes it when it goes off. I probably would not have remembered that if it had not been just very distinctive Danny Elfman. Yeah. <clears throat> so, Tracy Spiridakos, yes? I think so. Cool. Yeah. Is a Canadian actress who starred as Becky Richards on the series Majority Rules from 2009 to 2010, and is Charlotte Charlie Matheson on the science fiction series Revolution from uh, 2012 to 2014. She also played Annika Johnson on Bates Motel, and she was born on February 20th, and is not dead. Nope. We have had no death yet. Is it coming? We're I, we're on sports. I hope there's some death now. Uh, February 14th, Bobby Allison becomes the oldest driver to win the Daytona 500 at age 50, with an average speed of 137 miles an hour. Nice. He hit a wall and died. No, he didn't. Uh, nope, no death yet. We're running out of bubbles. <laughs> Charles Keith Quentin Jackman. <laughs> Is there a comma missing out there? Oi. <laughs> was a cricketer who played first-class cricket for Canterbury and Auckland between 1935 and 1942 and represented New Zealand in 1935 and 36. A wicket keeper, Jackman made his first-class debut for South Island against North Island in 1934-35, making one catch and four stumpings. <laughs> The fuck? <laughs> he crippled them. <laughs> the next season, playing for Canterbury against Wellington, he set a New Zealand record when he made seven stumpings. <laughs> Six of them off the leg spin of Bill Merritt. He stumped his last on February 23rd. Oh, we got the death right there. Cool. Yeah, Ooh. I was going to say, as soon as I heard he was playing between 35 and 42, <laughs> I was like, here's the death. Yeah. Well, I was waiting for him to make a couple uh, ladies along with that one, too. I've, what the fuck is a stumping? I have no idea. Uh, that's a new one. Yeah, new word in cricket. Everybody drink. If you're playing, <laughs> if you're playing along with the forty going on fourteen drinking game, everybody drink whenever you hear a new word in cricket. What else oh is it? What else? Every you? time you hear a bong hit, you take a drink. <laughs> take a drink. Every time Joel makes a dead joke, take a drink. No, don't do that. <laughs> and then they died. Yes, they did. <laughs> every every time Mike mispronounces something, but then they'd end up with alcohol poisoning. Yeah, and then you'd be really would be dead. All right, main show. 
Hairspray. I missed one? Skip the last one, yeah. Oh, on February 13th, the 15th Winter Olympics opened in Calgary, Canada. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Topical. Because the Summer Olympics is... Is it going a on? A shit show. Yeah. It is currently crumbling apart. Yeah. Down <laughs> the rest but of the, the world has said... is really booming. <laughs> the rest of the world has said, thank you, but no. So, uh, Hairspray, the original, directed by John Waters back in uh, 1988. Because somebody said, hey, we need a movie about Baltimore. And John Waters... Nobody ever says that, by the way. John Waters says that every time he makes a movie. Yeah. He is a Baltimore, born and raised, and is proud of it. Do all of his movies take place in Baltimore? Yep. Yep. Really? I did not know that. He, he and Uki are the only people I know from Baltimore. It doesn't say a whole lot for Baltimore. Yeah. You know Biff. Oh, that's right. And Three Stringer people. Bell. Who? Stringer Bell. Who's that? Oh, you've never seen the show. Never mind. Well, now I'm curious. <laughs> Awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's seen The Wire but me. Nope. Yeah, I have not seen Dude. The Wire. Yeah, that's that's all set in Baltimore. <laughs> huh. I've heard it's really good, though. It is. Well, it, you know it was what the else? breakout role for uh, Idris Elba. Is it funnier than Kimmy Schmidt? <laughs> no, it is not funnier than Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> it's not at all funny. <laughs> Never mind. Keep moving. I don't know where to go with this. So, Hairspray, 1988, directed by John Waters, produced by John Waters, Robert Shea, and Rich, Rachel Tallahay. Robert Shea, known for Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Robert Shea produced it or directed yes. it? Oh. Produced it. Waters directed. All right. Uh, written by John Waters, starring a, well, it's a Tracy Turnblad and her best friend, Penny Pinkleton, auditioned for the Corny Collins show. I just realized that everybody's name has got the Spider-Man thing going on. <laughs> uh, just realized that? Just realized that. A popular Baltimore teenage dance show based in the real-life Buddy Dean show. Pe- Penny is too nervous and stumbles over her answers. Another girl, Nadine, is cut back for their, for being black. There is a Negro Day, but it's in the last Thursday of every month, she's told. However, being despite despite being overweight, Tracy is strong enough a dancer to become a regular on the show, infuriating the show's reigning queen... Amber Von Tussle, a mean, privileged, beautiful high school classmate whose pushy stage parents, Velma and Franklin Von Tussle, own Tilted Acres Amusement Park in Baltimore. Oh, wait, we're going to get to that later. Uh, Tracy steals Amber's boyfriend, Link Larkin, and competes against her for the title of Miss Auto Show 1963. So. So the cast. Yes. Ricky Lake of the Ricky Lake show fame. A young Ricky Lake. (laughs) Yeah, very young. She was, what, like eight? She wasn't known at this point for it. No. For the Ricky Lake show. No, she wasn't. What, what? And it's funny because actually, you know, not being a fan of Hairspray, when the Ricky Lake show came on, I'm like, who the hell is Ricky Lake? <laughs> As did a lot of people. Yeah. This she is the, this is actually her, her debut. Uh, she's as Ricky Lake as Tracy Turnblad. Divine as Edna Turnblad. Debbie Harry as Velma Von Tussle. Sonny Bono. As Franklin Von Tussle. Before he died, as I mentioned in the chat. Yes. Yeah. Jerry Stiller as Wilbur Turnblad. Leslie Ann Powers as Penny Pingleton. A.K.A. Oh, no. Never mind. A.K.A. Yes. What? Well, he he, he was one ahead of what he Vitamin C. Oh. Colleen Fitzpatrick as Amber Von Tussle. Yeah, that's vitamin C, not Leslie Ann Powers. Ah. Correct. Michael St. Gerard as Link Larkin. I thought Penny was. I got him mixed up. Man, I'm you stupid. You totally got him mixed up. That's why I said you're one ahead of what I know. You, what Damn I knew it. you were going for. 
Nice. Yeah, amber amber I, was the vitamin C. I got excited. <laughs> Sorry. Too much I, vitamin C. I know. Now you got the poops. I do, uh, actually. Clayton Prince is Seaweed J. Stubbs. Ruth Brown is Motormouth Maybelline Stubbs. Sean Thompson is Corny Collins. Mink Stoll is Tammy. Yeah, and Mink Stoll is one of three performers that has uh, appeared in all of John Waters' films. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Alan J. Wendell is Mr. Pinky. Oops, Miss Joanne Haravala. Havrila. Havrila. Toussaint Levine. Yes. Toussaint McCall is himself, and John Waters is Dr. Fredrickson. So, yeah. And then a very. Yeah, the only other person, people worth calling out in the cast would be uh, Josh Charles, years before anyone knew who he was in the council. And then the two cameos as the beatniks, Rick Ocasek and Pia Zadora. Yeah. Rick Ocasek. It was so funny. It was so. It was once until he turned around. I'm like, oh my God, is that the guy from the cars? (laughs) (laughs) As he smashes the painting over his head. And it was perfect. So I'm just, I'm just going to go with this one. This. That John Waters said, all right, everybody, overact. Joel? How many John Waters films have you seen? I don't know. Have you seen other ones of his or before? This is the first one. Wait, I'm looking up how many movies he's made. Uh, Hairspray, Pecker, um, Divine, Madness. Uh, Oh, I'm looking up recurrent. the point of this is he's saying that that's that's kind of the, the it's kind of his trademark. Of his I'm, I'm looking I'm looking at it. The other ones that I have seen where he has done has been I've seen Crybaby. Okay, another Ricky Lake joint. Mm-hmm. And have you seen Serial Mom? That that and Cer- Cecil B. Demented are probably the other ones. That yeah, I know of Serial Mom and Cecil B. Demented, but I have not seen. Them. I think out of these, it's just been Hairspray and Crybaby. A bit more crossover for those, yeah, for sure. So. Well, here's the thing, because and I I know that there's probably a lot of criticism coming this way, probably not from Joel, but maybe from uh, the other two. And I'm going to defend Hairspray whether it needs it or not. Who knows? Maybe you guys love it. But from the beginning, this is not intended to be a serious or realistic movie. There is a scene at the end of the three penny opera which you guys might know but our listeners might not it's the story of mac the knife and uh, by the end of the crime musical uh mac is going to be executed for his crimes and they come out at the end and saying wait it can't end like this let's show you this ending and everything's super happy over the top it ends in a completely unrealistic way hairspray from the beginning is that ending in the Three Penny Opera. It isn't the world John Waters lives in. It's the world he wished he lives in. Everyone, I, the thing that I've picked up on this is everybody is just a little bit twisted in this. Oh, yeah. Well, again, that's another John Waters kind of thing. He likes he likes the uh, the kitschy, and he likes to take the underside of all the stuff that people have such nostalgia for from the 50s and other time periods and he's he's twisted on his own right oh right but. wait we you know what we forgot to do the trivia oh right yeah so, let's go back uh so uh ricky lake uh, apparently began losing weight rapidly during the production of this movie due to the intense dance lessons that she had to take for the film and had to reportedly eat like crazy in order to stay plump huh. so 
Uh, Tilted Acres was based on Gwyn Oak Amusement Park in Baltimore County, Maryland, where the racial problems occurred. The scenes were shot at Dorney Park in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Yeah, they made a pretty big point. It was more explicit in the remake, but even in this original, they made a pretty big point of this isn't pre-Supreme Court saying, hey, knock it off. This is after the decision that basically says uh, segregation is not to be tolerated in this country. And Baltimore was like, well, fuck that. So, wait, where I lost? Well, I mean, well, it's. Yeah, one more reason not yeah. to go to Baltimore. Uh, and a scene that <laughs> was filmed where Tracy finds cockroaches in her hair. It was based on an urban legend about a girl whose brain is eaten by cockroaches that were living in her beehive hairdo. Well, it never made it into the final cut. It explains why Tracy is wearing a cockroach dress at the end of the movie. Yeah, I think they tried to explain that with Amber spreading a rumor that she had roaches in her hair, but it was a little odd that it was such a big part of the ending, and there was just, like, one line. See, I didn't think it was that strange, because the name of the dance that they were doing was The Bug. And they yeah, were doing- I just I just thought it was a random thing that a girl made up to, to start a rumor about somebody she didn't like, so I didn't really think it was out of place. I just... <laughs> uh, a uh, random stupid thing a kid thinks of to make fun of somebody else for Right. So all of us have watched this. Now, let's see. How many of us saw this for the first time? Oh, well, me. I was raising my hand, but then oh. I realized it. Oh. Yeah, and uh, Joel. Joel, are you raising your hand? Joel is Ma- gone. Mike, yeah, Mike Joel. is not reading the chat. Oh. No. <laughs> Mike Sorry about that. I'm reading the chat. Moment. Oh, okay. Hey, if you'd only waited five more seconds. <laughs> That's what was, what was the question? It was like, question? are you a fucking idiot? That's what the question is. No. <laughs> yes. Sometimes. Right. Have you uh, have you seen this before? No, I, I actually it's one of the uh, the few John Waters films that I haven't seen, and being a fan of him as a person, I I like most of his films because of that. But this is one for some reason I I don't know why I just I stayed away from for uh, until this time, and it gave me a good reason to finally see it. So you f- saw it for the first time to clarify, like a couple days ago. Yes, this was the very mm. first time I've ever ever seen it. And Out of, I think, every film he's made, this is the only one I think I hadn't yeah, seen this, yet. Which is really? crazy, because this is his most popular one. Yeah, this I, like, that may be why, oh, honestly. It's, oh, it's one that everybody knows about, so you can't watch it? No, but when there's Everybody a, likes it, so it must suck. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, if no, everybody's a, already seen it, I want nothing to do up. with it. It's not cool enough for me to see if everybody's seen it. <laughs> no, when there's a preconceived notion about something, it tends to it tends to affect the way you view something. And so until I can see it without those notions... I don't want to be swayed by whatever everybody else says. Did we break your notions? Did you have to skip over them? Well, yeah. It got me excited because I wanted to see it, and this gave me a reason to finally see it. Well, I hope you didn't sprain your notions. (laughs) No, they were preconceived, so it was okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, as I was saying earlier, there's a lot unrealistic about this film. Uh, Everyone who's good is not racist or if they start out a little bit racist they're easily talked out of it and everyone who's bad uniformly is racist there's no like subtlety there's no shades of gray it's very very cut and dry yeah um it's i put it on and watched it with the kids i i saw i've seen it god i first saw it in 1990 we got it in at the video store i was a manager of a video store and i would put it on because it was it was P. We were only allowed to put PG movies on for the the videos and uh, like in the TVs across the entire store. But it was weird enough 
that I could put it on and kind of people would be kind of like, what the hell? But I couldn't get yelled at because it was PG. If that makes any sense. No, that totally that makes sense. That was your sense. way of being a rebel by, by staying inside the system. Right. right. That was it right there. But yeah. So, and then, Pat, you saw it for the first time? Have you ever had any preconceived notions about this? Well, being the fact that I am not a John Waters fan, that I would consider that a preconceived notion. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what's the rest of this sentence supposed to be? <laughs> I just, you know, I, I figured it was kind of assumed, but I, I should probably finish it anyway. Well, was that yeah. because of him as a person or because you'd seen other films of his and just didn't care for yeah, his I've style? Yeah, I've never really liked anything that I've seen that he's done as an as an actor or as a as a writer, director, whatever. I've just never cared for his stuff. I don't have anything personally against him. I don't know enough about him as a person. I mean, you know, I mean, he's friends with the guys from Jackass. I know that, so he can't be all bad. I mean, well, he's just a very outspoken man, and anything that he believes in, he has no qualms about speaking his mind. Yeah, I mean, he's not pretentious. I do like that about him, but I mean. There's just, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of his work, really. I mean, he's, he's just a very passionate guy who's genuine about the things that he loves, and he uh, doesn't push them on people necessarily, but he'll put it out there in a way that will kind of take it to a, a different level, just like this does. Like you're saying that, as Josh was saying about how the characters are drawn out. There's a very important message in this film, but it's taken to an nth degree to make that point. So everybody gets it. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I was wondering if I should, you know, save my critique for before or after you guys. But uh, you know, uh, no, go ahead. You guys, first of all, okay. You guys know my take on the whole um, over-the-top satire, in-your-face racism. What? No, not racism. Just like I, I, I'm not a fan of of um, the the statement by the. By by the ridiculous over, I, I'm having a hard time describing this like a Starship Troopers type movie, you know that kind of thing where like like people are like, oh it's satire you got to look at it as satire. It's like yeah, but satire doesn't mean it has to be bad. It doesn't have to be you know over the top and 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 shitty and just annoying and like I don't know. I didn't like it. That's the short <laughs> version. I was sure. Oh, that's totally not the short version, but. Uh. <laughs> I, I could tell from a mile away you were not going to like this one, and that, yeah, that was and I why. Knew it going in, I mean, and I, I don't mean, I don't mean that I went into it with a with, with a closed mind. I just, I just knew it was not going to be my thing. Yeah. And from the moment it started, I was just like, nope, don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole time it's just going on. I'm just, I, it was just driving me crazy. I just, it was just too much. You know, I mean, like the the girl, you know, Penny's mother. Just that whole scene with her running around and you know and everybody laughing at her because she's so racist that she can't even understand the guy's begging for money and like it's just and then getting scared of the black cop. I mean, it was just it's just so over the top stupid that I just I mean I, I understand the statement you're trying to make, but you know you don't have to do it you know with 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 a goddamn you know ten pound hammer. I mean, but doesn't he? Yeah, I I I, I disagree. I, I think that it has the issue has been looked at with subtlety it has been looked at with nuance this is by design a cartoon over the top look like through the lens of this perception of the 60s and i I think that the super unrealistic 
reactions, especially to Tracy. It's like, if you believe in something enough and keep a positive attitude, good things will happen. Well, in the real world, that's not necessarily the case. But in the world that John Waters has created here, that's the way it has to be. I mean, you compromise on any of it and the whole, like, what the movie's supposed to be, like, the substance of it shatters. Right, and that and that's why I just knew I was I'm not behind the original, I guess concept, and I knew that going in. I mean, because I, I just I, I there's a reason why I haven't seen it till now. I knew it, I just knew it wasn't my bag, kind of thing, you know. So Austin I avoided Powers. it for yeah. I mean, I just I, it, it's just <laughs> one of those things where I'm I'm like I know this hits all the wheelhouses of everything I don't really care for. So what's the point in watching it? But I mean, think about the way that, that the, her, uh, Penny's mom is, is characterized. I mean, you think about how over the top and extreme and how silly it is. But in a lot of ways, when you think of those people that are not necessarily that way, but that are racist or that don't want to go to the bad side of town because they're afraid of, of the Negroes or whatever, this is the way that, that you kind of see them in your head as how their reactions are so completely asinine. That this just takes it and says, okay, here's, like Josh said, a, car- a cartoon character of that person and the way that they are acting in real life just kind of turned up enough that you're not going to miss the point. Yeah, there's certainly a place for a nuanced uh, discussion of race relations and a look back at uh, how it was in the 1960s. Heck, Selma has shown us that there is definitely a place for that story, but that's not this story. And it's cool that you don't like it. I just want to make sure that the point is made that you can understand it even if you don't care for it. Right, yeah. I mean, I I, I knew exactly what they were going for it because it was so fucking incredibly obvious. Right. But, and you it, know, that... I feel it, it. I mean, it, to a, in a, in a, to a point, it almost it almost denigrates the subject after a while when you're, when, when you're just so banal about it. But John Waters as a filmmaker is is an acquired taste. He is I, I will be the first one to admit he's not for everybody. Because he's not that great of a director and some of the actors he gets are not exactly on par with people that are in, you know, films like Selma. Or but, actors. Right. Or necessarily even actors, right. Like um uh Toussaint <laughs> McCall, for example, who's a musician. But or Divine, um, who is not an actor. He was he was an actor. Um, well, by the time he was done, he was an actor. He wasn't when he found him. You obviously yeah, have true. not seen Lust in the Dust. Who I mean, here, Pat? I have not. Oh, any of you? Then Pat. At the time, I mean, you're talking. Divine is one of the really big early famous drag queens. Ah, I see what you did there. Uh, well. You, <laughs> You've got Divine and you've got Dame Edna, and those are pretty much the names, if you're in the 80s, that mainstream people know in terms of drag queens. And have accepted to a yeah. point. Well, Divine took it to a, a shocking level. I mean, and that was her whole shtick, though, was to be as over-the-top and shocking, which was fueled by John Waters' you know, passionate friendship with him and how much they just were connected at the hip. I mean, he took that and again and turned it up to a level of just complete absurdity. But back to the movie itself. I mean, and, and it's, it's just funny because on paper I should be behind all of this. <laughs> well, and I think that's where when we get to the second half of the show, the people that maybe aren't going to get this or get into it because of the way John Waters approaches it will take the version that is still the source material that he created, wrote and, and 
is part of, but took it to a different in a different direction that was much more universal. And I think we'll get to my thoughts on that in the second yeah, half. But anyway, we'll talk about that in the second half. Right. I don't want to get too far ahead of us. So, so Mike, how have you, you've been watching it since the original days like me. How have your opinions on it, have they changed? Well, uh-huh. I liked it back in 90 and enough to put it on. But after hearing Patrick, I now think it's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's. That's Pink Flamingos. It's. I mean, they eat it. I watched it. It. I watched it again. I put it on, sat down. <laughs> again. I'm waiting for in the future when the girls are sitting there going, all oh, those weird ass movies dad made us watch for his goddamn podcast. <laughs> uh, so I sat them down. And and I was they're, like, they're showing their kids. <laughs> yeah. I said, like, here, let's, you know, let's, you're going to watch this tonight. And it, it's, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think the best way to put it. It wasn't as good as I remember it. Because I remember loving it, because it literally has been since the 90s, since the last time I saw it. But I used to put it on all the time at the video store, so I remember watching it over and over again. Over again. remember loving, loving it, and then sitting down and watching it and being like, man, I don't remember the acting being this bad. I don't remember it being... I mean, I still enjoyed it, but I kind of was like almost ashamed for it. Cause I'm like, how did I... I mean, I feel really bad for the people that were looking for a movie while I had that on now. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> So, I mean, it's on, I watched it, I, you know, kind of like, ah, cool, you know, it's neat. I don't think I'm going to watch it again. I mean, it was just so, like, I mean, I think I'm on Pat's side on this one. We're so over the top and so in your face of look at how wacky we are. You know, look at how, how, um, look at this gigantic caricature of an existence in this that I just don't dig it anymore. I'm just not a fan of things that try too hard. <laughs> And that's what I feel John Waters does. Then why are you my friend? (laughs) (laughs) See, I get where you're coming from, but I I, I don't agree that that's what this is. I I, I think that John Waters has this perspective where everyone wants to make cartoon caricatures of things that are we remember that are pretty. John Waters loves to make cartoon caricatures of the ugly side of life, but with the same message that – you know, that isn't going to fly. In the end, those ugly caricatures don't win. Even if they would in their more tamed down, realistic versions from our world, maybe those people get to win in real life, but not and, in his films. And that's kind of what I'm, what I'm saying. Like, it, 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 on paper, I, I like, I should like all this stuff. It's just in, in theory, you know, in theory and in reality are two different things. I just, I, I like everything about, Everything that John Waters is doing and saying, I just don't like the actual execution. Well, and that's a fair assessment because he is he does a lot of times do things for shock value because it it gets people to talk about what he's doing. And like, um, you know, it's it just, you know, like bad dialogue and things like that and just, you know, bad writing and stupid things like that. It's like I, I just don't I don't I don't think you have to necessarily sacrifice certain things to make certain points. And I don't think like, I don't know. I don't, I don't appreciate being talked down to in any form. And that's kind of how I feel like he does in a lot of, in a lot of his writing and a lot of his directing. See, and I think he walks a fine line there though, where depending on your perception of what you're watching, there's a, a, a layers of different messages where the people that are intelligent picking up on, the, the satire of it and then the people that are not as intelligent that are just seeing these crazy characters 
they're all getting the same message, just getting it at different levels. Are you calling right. me stupid? No, not at all. <laughs> I'm calling Pat stupid. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know that John Waters necessarily is coming from this I get it and you don't perspective. It's like we all get it, but people don't talk about it this way. And I get that you're like, well, you didn't really need to or I don't like the way you're saying it. I, I get that. But I, I don't think that his aim is to dumb it down because he thinks that if he doesn't, no one will get what he's trying to say. No, and the, and, and honestly, I, I I think I would might honestly respect it a little more if that's what he was doing. I just think he's dumbing it down because he just you know he, he just thinks that's the I don't know I, I it, that's the way he tells the story and that's why I don't like it. I think he's dumbing it down for entertainment purposes. Right, it, it's dumbed down uh, purposely. Like I say, it's a style thing. Like yeah. uh, and, certain and, cartoons are just made of very basic shapes. And that doesn't mean the artist can't draw. It's cool if you don't like that art. And I just I just think it's always just a poor excuse to 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 not do your best on something when you can. I don't know. I'm getting I'm getting sidetracked here. I'm gonna get way off topic. <laughs> <laughs> I like it when that happens. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I would end up going into like like rants about the National Endowment for the Arts and shit, and we don't need to. <laughs> I, I was actually surprised because I had a great deal of affection for this movie, even though I uh, consistently confuse it with Cry Baby. When I rewatched it, I was like, I think I got something new out of it this last time around, and I think I appreciate it more than I used to. Hmm. So yeah, kind of coming at it from the opposite direction uh, from where Mike was. Well, you know something that I. I didn't realize until after it was over. Um, having seen the the remake or the the musical version of it so many times, um, that when I was watching it, I was like, "Man, this is you know." First of all, it feels different, of course, but all the same characters are there, and all the same storylines are there. A couple of slight changes, but for the most part, basically the same t- story. Um, but I kept going, "Wow, this is really kind of quiet," and there's like. The music's there, but it's there's not a lot of, you know, something was different, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And so throughout the entire movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this part, and oh, yeah, you know, that's where that song was. or And I kept picking up on little things here and there, but I couldn't figure out what was different. So after it was over, and I got up this morning, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, they never broke out into song during this movie. Right. This is not a musical. Exactly. Never was. <laughs> and I'm so used to the musical that I could hear the songs in my head as it was going, and I, you know, they used a lot of really great music in it, um, but but it never registered that they weren't singing for whatever reason. And huh. it uh, struck me as being funny after the fact that I didn't catch that. I do have to huh. say the dancing was amazing in this. Sure. It was a that really... <laughs> oh, go ahead, Pat. Oh, boy. Yeah, go oh, on. Nothing, no. Nah, no, go ahead. Oh, I just love the dancing. There was no <laughs> dancing better than I that. I didn't think that Tracy Turnblad was some great dancer, personally. I was like, no, okay, whatever. I, I don't didn't see specifically this. say Tracy was a good dancer. I said there was great dancing in this. It was, yeah, I she mean, wasn't the best They all dancer. line danced all the time. I mean, I don't think line dancing is anything special. Ooh, you're from Texas. I don't know if you can say that. I Ooh, know. I, I, that is a, it is a very contentious thing down here for me. to. I, I, I hate line dancing. Yeah, yeah, on the I, way to your house. Every time I go to the honky-tonk, I always make fun of oh, them. Oh, Jesus. And yeah. The scenes that were most impressive uh, dancing were not line dancing at all. There were some of the early Corny Collins stuff where the kids are doing their own thing, but they're doing the dances of the 60s. Yeah. 
highly choreographed well, dances of the 60s that everybody knows the second the song comes out. And <laughs> let me just say that out of both versions of the film, Corny Collins is still by far my favorite character and the one that I just think is a great, great composite character that just threads a story along and has... It easily could have been a, two, a two-dimensional character, like a host, you know? That's just it. He He wasn't... Even though he was playing that character for the kids and for the parents, in reality, he was a guy that was wanting to change the way society was perceiving things and was doing it subversively and ultimately won the day, more so in the remake than in the original, but by being successful. And if you want to point out Divine's acting skills, I did, what did you think of him as being the, the head of the studio? Just, I mean, I he, thought he, he was, played the type well. I mean, it was just the... You know, the, the the douchebag television owner guy, you know, looking for, you know, the racist guy looking to keep the status quo. I actually thought he was more believable as that than he was yeah. as Edna. I, would, huh. I, I love the fact that they that. left they left his uh, eyebrows on. Well, <laughs> that's funny. I thought Edna was actually strongest at the beginning of the movie, where she was just this housewife that was just like ironing. This is my thing. And it's like, even that's a caricature, but it's like, yeah, I, I kind of believe that, that this character is just like, yeah, I, I don't really care about anything. I'm doing my ironing. And taking my diet pills. Yeah, which uh, it, it was something I only realized this time around, which was her diet pills were certainly speed. Yeah, she was. And, and there's a line in it where she says, my diet pills are wearing off, which is a... Uh, uh, a song by L7, which I never caught on to until I saw the film. I, I would say that uh, standout performances like uh, Amber, Colleen Fitzpatrick, uh, she was almost good enough where she was so much better in terms of acting than the people around her. It was a little distracting. She was almost too good for the movie in some spots. Yeah, she was She was a good enough in her character to actually make her kind of likable despite all her asshole tendencies. Yeah. I contrasted with Michael St. Gerard, who was cast because he looked like Elvis. I mean, he, most of the rest of his career, he played Elvis. He played Elvis, yeah, in Great yeah. Bells of Fire. Hmm. Yeah, several uh, times. Um, Jerry Stiller uh, was one that stood out. And then uh, Sean Thompson, who actually played Corny Collins, were both probably, in my opinion, the, the two strongest. Oh, yeah. Um, but John Waters' character, <laughs> when he came on, is the psychiatrist. <laughs> I mean, that is so his impression of what he believes psychiatrists are, especially with that whole turning people into something they aren't. That was funny. A giant the drill Pat with a spiral it. thing on it. Right, right. Yep. <laughs> there it is. I knew he'd hate that character, but yeah. Well, I, that's the thing is I think John Waters knows that uh, people see him as a creep and a pervert, and he doesn't necessarily even disagree with that assessment. He's decided instead to own it. Exactly. That's what I love about and, him. That, again, that's just more shit on paper I should just love about this guy, but I just for some reason in <laughs> practice don't like him. <laughs> Do you remember his turn on The Simpsons? Phenomenal. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite episodes. But okay. anyway. All right, so yeah. it looks like we've got the full spectrum from uh, really loved it to really hated it represented. Yep. To used to loved it, now kind of eh about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Good. And uh oh, here we go. No, I was just going to say, am I the only one that thought Motormouth looked like Tracy Jordan and drag, or Tracy Morgan and drag? That was Ruth Brown. Watch your mouth. I'm just saying. Yeah, you're the only one. All right. <laughs> 
Yeah, we know you're in Texas. You think they all look alike? <laughs> oh. Wow! Just put a wig on them. Wow! You're going to hell, Patrick. Yeah, that, ticket, that, <laughs> that ticket was punched years ago. I'm not yeah, remember. we all got seats together. I'm just getting upgrades at this point. <laughs> all right, so no. are we headed to the break? And I then think we better. Yeah, when we come back, we're going to talk about the uh, 2007 musical version of uh, Hairspray, starring uh, the incomparable John Travolta, surprisingly. Yeah. Who I believe petitioned for the role. Hmm. Well, it's not the first time he's been in drag, I'm sure. Oh. Won't be the last. What? Huh? Huh? Be back in a little bit. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Now we're going to talk about the 2008 musical remake of a stage musical. 2007. 2007? 2007. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so 2007. This is a screen production of a musical of Hairspray that had been out for several years already. Yes? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was uh, huge on Broadway. Uh, Originally on Broadway, uh, Harvey Firestein actually played Edna. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, they decided in tribute to Divine that uh, all stage performances and everything going through uh, forward, uh, Edna would always be played by a man. Nice. So um, so they got, was staged, went to a stage play, they wrote a bunch of songs for it, and they turned it into a movie. And, scroll down to the now, because they almost said John Waters, directed by <laughs> Adam Shankman. Known for things that Joel knows. Uh, so you think he can dance? He uh, did the Step Up franchise of films. He's he's okay. a choreographer primarily, but he's segued that into directing. Oh, okay. Yeah, Rock of Ages? Nobody? Nobody. Whoa, dude, Rock of Ages is fucking phenomenal. You seriously need to see it. Who's in that? Uh, Tom Cruise. Uh, let's oh, you're see, not uh, talking about the Mark Wahlberg movie? No, Alec Baldwin, Russell Brand. I like that one. I don't know if I would call it phenomenal. I would... <laughs> no, Rockstar, to what yeah. you're thinking of. No, Rock of Ages really, yeah. really surprised me with how good it was. Oh, yeah. Rockstar Pat, that's what he's talking about. Ah, uh, right. okay. I, I was very confused there for a second. But... Yeah, so this yeah, is a... Oh, good. No, I was just going to say it was Rockstar, in case he didn't hear me. Got it. Yeah, I heard you all three times. <laughs> Damn it. Hey, Pat. <laughs> Was it Rockstar? No. Actually, Fats played the piano in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it was written by Leslie Dixon of Mrs. Doubtfire fame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man as a woman. There you go. Uh, Mark O'Donnell and Thomas Meehan both wrote the musical. And, of course, it's based off the John Waters 1988 stream- screenplay starring a one John Travolta as Edna Turnblad. Michelle Pfeiffer as Velma Von Tussle, Christopher Walken as Wilbur Turnblad, Amanda Bynes as Penny Pingleton, James Mardson as Corny Collins, Queen Latifah as Mortemouth Maybell, Brittany Snow as Amber Von Tussle, Zachy Fran as Link Larkin, Elijah Kenny as Seaweed, Allison Janey as Prudy Pingleton, Nikki Blonsky as Tracy Turnblad, and Taylor Parks as Little Inez, Jane Eastwood as Miss Whimsy, Paul Dooley, as Mr. Spritzer, and Jerry Stiller comes back, this time, as Mr. Pinky. So. Deliciously so. 
deliciously so. You got a thing for know. Jerry Stiller? No, he just he was feeding him the whole time. So, so, so don't you? Yeah, but I think everybody does. We got sexy Michael Caine. Now we got delicious Jerry Stiller. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So some trivia on this one. Amanda Burns' character Penny is seen constantly eating lollipops. Her father, who just happens to be a dentist, became very wor- worried for her dental health, as it was estimated that she ate about forty lollipops a day. She told her dad, I'm not really eating them, when in reality, she ate all of them. And then he <laughs> realized that that was dumb when she started using meth. Oh. <laughs> oh. Dude. She fell from grace so hard, and it's a shame. I actually was typically not a fan of hers, but uh, I really, really liked her in this. Yeah. yeah she was she, perfectly cast. She was really good in this. Uh, it took John Travolta four hours to put on the 30-pound fat suit and five gel-filled silicone face prosthetics to become Edna, which 30-pound fat suit, with him being able to dance like he was doing in this, was a lot more respect. Did not realize it was that heavy. Um, Adam Shankman made Zach Efron make out with the picture frame in Without Love sequence for over an hour. <laughs> nice. And uh, it wasn't until halfway through production that Michelle Pfeiffer said, Wait a second. I'm racist. <laughs> she became worried about what people would think, but Adam, director Adam Shankman calmed her down, and they continued the movie. <laughs> and uh, not surprisingly, Robin Williams was considered for the role of Edna Turnblad. This would have not worked. I agree. Yeah, I think so, too. I don't think he could have toned it down that much. Oh, it's Euphigenia Doubtfire. <laughs> I just think that's but- hilarious that Michelle Pfeiffer was like, Wait a second. <laughs> did you, Why did it take her that long? <laughs> did you know I'm racist? I'm like, Michelle, what are the... <laughs> Queen Latifah says, well, all white people go through that eventually. They wake oh. up middle of the way through oh. their life. Oh, wait a minute. I'm racist. <laughs> <laughs> and then Adam Shankman has to come to their house. All right. I'm going to tell you. It's, it's, it's Just keep going. So, yeah. So, how many of us was this the first, one, first time? Me. Really? Uh, I, I uh, actually didn't want to see this. Uh, I had heard about the casting and heard about some of the changes and feared that with all of the John Waters edges filed off and uh, with the changes they made, that it would l- miss the point of the original. And I don't know that I can say I was entirely wrong, but I also didn't realize before seeing it that this was not a direct remake. It was an adaptation of a Broadway show, which makes it a different thing. And I end up cutting it a hell of a lot of slack. Well, keep in mind that John Waters had a a hand in all of it. Sure. From taking it to Broadway to taking it to screen again. Absolutely. So, but there, there were, it was was probably more than just a hand. (laughs) (laughs) There were some compromises. The, yeah. it, there were there was some reluctance. Uh, there were some gray areas, and that's not what the original was about. But like I said, it's a different thing, so I don't totally hold that against it. And I think ultimately the message still is conveyed, and it's it's still it may not be quite as hit you over the head blatant, but I think it it's done in a way that's a, a lot more more cohesive with what what Pat would have in mind. No, that's not a negative. I'm just saying it was more subtle. It's definitely more mainstream. Oh, for sure. No question about that. Mm -hmm. Just the cast alone. 
Pat, what so did you? Yeah, what did oh, you have in mind, Pat? What did I? Who? What? Huh? What? What? Well, Joel, uh, uh, Justin, what did you have in mind? What? What? What did Pat have what in mind? What were my expectations? Yeah, walking into this, that I wouldn't like it again. I mean, honestly, I just. So you saw this one after the original? Yeah. Okay. I uh-huh. also didn't realize that it was a, um, a adaptation of the Broadway play before I started watching it. Um, so when she started singing the Baltimore song at the beginning, you were like, wait, what? She's like, <laughs> good morning, Baltimore. And you're like, wait, what? What? I almost immediately checked out at that point. I was like, oh, God, a fucking song about how great Baltimore is. No thanks. <laughs> As John Waters flashes her. Yeah. That's, and they even they even make a verse. Hello, Flasher. They even put that, that verse in there about him. Um, yeah. And John Waters pulls no punches that Baltimore is not like the greatest city on the planet. It's just his his home, and he loves it, no matter how kind of seedy and dingy it is. I no, s- I just thought it was going to be another over the top, like you know, schmalmy, you know, schmarmy, schmalmy, schmalmy. Yeah, I'm going to make up words now. I'm making my own damn words. This is a schmalmy movie. So <laughs> sort of schmaltzy, sort of smarmy. Yeah, all yeah. that. I'll allow it. I'll agree <laughs> with I, that. I, <laughs> I was I was expecting it to be a toned down version of the first movie. And the motion it, it, passes. Shmami is now a word. <laughs> in a lot of ways, it was, but I mean, in a lot of ways, I liked it more because I didn't hate it. So there you so, go. There's some real good logic. <laughs> By default, it, it wins out of the two. I liked it I more because I didn't it. hate it. <laughs> well, did it come all the way around to liking it for you? Was it enough? I don't know if I could say I liked it. Um, there were certain things that I liked in the movie, but overall, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I kind of, I, I kind of nothinged it by the end of it. You mean James Marsden didn't win you over with his yeah, portrayal of Corny Collins? He really was good. I mean, I didn't think anybody did like a particularly poor performance, um, and nothing really stood out as being you know too over the top, and nothing really stood out as being. You know, just absolutely ridiculous. At least nothing that I can glaringly think of right now. Even John Travolta was better than I anticipated him being. I mean, I I knew he was going to be a, a scenery chewing drag queen in you know a bunch of latex, but um, he wasn't as horrible as I anticipated he was going to be. I thought it was just going to be a ridiculous casting. Huh. And... Go ahead. Go ahead. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Finish your point. No, I think I was pretty much done. I was shocked by how good he was. Like, I, I wouldn't even uh, lower it to, like, not as bad as I thought, because he brought a level of gravity to the role that I didn't honestly think he was capable of playing basically in drag. Like, right. he played a broken woman that started to put on weight, became a shut-in. And, like, was kind of fucked up about it. And I was kind of surprised at the depth he brought to the character, especially considering, I mean, this is a musical based on Hairspray. I mean, it was it was a typical musical type thing where ev- all the problems were solved far too easily with just a, a day and a song, you know. But I mean, sure, that's 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 kind of formulaic. It, it, not exactly a the movie's problem; it's the genre's problem. I was... well, but a lot of it kind of coincides with things that were happening around them anyway. Yeah. I'm just saying, I was impressed with how nimble Travolta was while wearing 30 pounds of fat suit. Especially the scene where he was dancing with uh, um, Christopher Walken. That quite possibly was my favorite scene of the movie, where the two of them were in the backyard dancing together, and they had like the, mari- the mariachi, and they were doing the uh, 
What's the costume changes? Yeah. I think pairing Christopher Walken and Travolta as a couple in this was casting genius. Yeah, it was so good. Well, and and Nikki Blonsky was a a, a, a very pleasant, updated Ricky Lake. She's a bit better of an actress and not a great singer, but you know she danced a little better and she kind of played the role a bit more. Not believable, but a, um, it made more sense with the style that they were going for. Yep, and just like Ricky Lake, this is her first uh, first movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and they tried to patch over some of what they saw as plot holes or things that didn't make sense. I think their evaluation of the original script may have been off, but that said, I was satisfied with a lot of the changes. The It wasn't that she just had an awesome attitude and was an amazing dancer. She got put into the situation where she was exposed to something. When she was in detention, she saw all of the uh, black kids who were in there dancing their way. She got into dancing their way and presented something different that they'd never seen, and that was enough to get her on the show. Well, the ending, too. Go ahead. Well, that was one of the things that I, I loved about, I just love about this film in general, is is the fact that her character goes from this very naive girl who just wants to dance and be a part of this show that's popular to someone who, you know, goes runs a whole gamut of, of seeing what's really going on around her and turning around and becoming a force for change. And that always just... Especially my kids love this movie, too. And so it, it always makes me happy to have them watch it because, again, it's got a really strong, good message to it uh, beneath all the music and everything else going on, all the silliness. Well, yeah, because she's able to internalize this, like, I don't know what they're going through, but I know that people shit on me because I'm different. That's probably what's happening to them, too. And if I just, like, turn my back on them now that I'm getting popular – what if someone had done that to me? Well, here's something I, I was curious about: the uh, style, a, 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 not style change, but a, a change of character decision. Where in the original, Link goes through the entire film with um, Tracy, but in this version, Link, when they go to the M- M- Maybell's party, he says, "I think this adventure is a little too big for me." And you know, there's that tension, and they kind of separate. And I don't know if you had any thoughts one way or the other about that decision. I, I, I just thought there was no way that Zac Efron would ever date uh, Nikki Blonsky. That was my main. It was a bit more natural than it was in the original, though. I thought that the transition, because he wasn't interested initially, but in the original, it's like, he's like, oh, yeah, okay. I just like the idea of him being like Zac Efron finishing that make out with the picture scene. And he's like, now do it again. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, hey, no, okay. Oh, you know what? We didn't have the camera on. Can you do it again? After a while, he's like, am I being punked? Yeah. Well, th- seriously, dude, what is this? Like- Meanwhile, John Travolta's like, I'll make you some pork. <laughs> I just, you know what? It seemed, you know what I liked about Travolta in this one is he just seemed so enthusiastic about it. He just like, he, for some reason, the way he played the character, he just, he just seemed like he really enjoyed doing this. Well, a little known fact, none of the makeup that they used on him uh, was... With studio makeup, he brought it all himself. So, I mean, he, he dresses up like this a lot. That's not true. <laughs> I, I was kind of impressed with his ability to emote facially through the gel-filled silicone over his face. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people, when you think of what John Travolta's good at, that's not 
typically where you go for that he's able to act without talking, but he really pulled it off in this. Well, it's all the Botox. He's gotten used to kind of trying to emote through that. Never mind. Um, well, and Amanda Bynes was another standout where she she went through the same journey that that Tracy did, but she did it kind of unknowingly and without really realizing. She never saw it any differently to begin with, you know. Despite her mother's insistency and and insanity, she just was she just was happy to be there. Right. I, I think it was more of a naive. It's like she never thought of about it. And so right. she thought about it. It was like, yeah, they're, they're people. This is cool. That's fine. Whatever. My mom doesn't think so, but she's almost always wrong. So whatever. I'll be a checkerboard chick. Now I've got a weird fetish for lollipops, too. So, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but no, that, I mean, her, her character, I think, was pretty fun, especially when she's, when he comes to rescue her and she, and she's like singing about dark chocolate. And it's, I thought it was funny. The blacker the berry, the sweeter the juice. I <laughs> uh, see. I like the music, and I'm not a fan of musicals. Uh, I'm the first one to admit that. There's very few musicals that I enjoy outside of Cannibal the Musical, and this one really. I mean, there's I maybe think a couple that there, says but. a lot right there, Joel. <laughs> but I really enjoy this this uh, this this musical and. I don't know. There's just something about it that's just very fun, and it's even though there's a, a deep message there, it's presented in a way that it's it's a good time. You can just put it on and enjoy it. Just saying, <laughs> Pat. Is there any yes. part of this that you enjoyed? Yeah. All right. We'll just leave it at that. Then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, um, it was definitely uh, the songs were well done. The chore- choreography was well done. Um, I appreciated the fact that it was a little more subdued, but, um, I mean, I, like I said before, I didn't hate it. I'm never going to watch it again. Um, John Travolta, I thought, yeah, did a, did a good job. Um, the cast was, you know, impressive. Christopher Walken is usual. Great. Yep. Um, the whole, the whole scene where she's trying to seduce him and he keeps coming back. Yeah. <laughs> it's- when when she turns to leave and turns around, he's got the bozo wig on with the, the plastic <laughs> the cigar. Like, you don't need those glasses to see under these clothes. He's like, well, it's a good thing because these are a sham. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, mean, it, it was it was enjoyable. I I definitely don't like um, hold any grudge against you guys for having to watch this one versus the other version. I definitely you know want to take that out on you eventually for making me watch that. Oh, yeah. So that's got a lot of that, though. Yeah. Gonna get mailed another box of shit. (laughs) What about Queen Latifah versus Ruth Brown? I mean, I I liked her portrayal quite a bit in this. Plus, she's got a really nice voice. Definite upgrade. I mean, still looked like Tracy Morgan in drag. (laughs) Dude. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. What were you going to say, Josh? I have no idea now. <laughs> Damn it, Patrick. Texas. A whole uh, other country. If you're stupid. And I'm not. I mean, I just, I don't know. I like my satire much more subtle and much more uh, grounded in reality than than over the top and comical. Okay, so what would be good satire to you? Yeah. 
Uh, You're on the spot. Hmm. Mm-hmm. He's going to say apocalypse now. <laughs> Dumb and dumber. Um, that was a joke. Yeah, I know. Okay. I mean, it, it's going to sound. I mean, this is almost an over the top movie, but I mean, Idiocracy it, it, it did a much better job of, of over the top satire than Hairspray. Hmm. Fair assessment. I'll allow it. Hmm. 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 Mm. All right, stop this shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite songs Ooh. from this? And that was something I, I was actually somewhere I was headed. Now I forgot which song I was going <laughs> to choose. Yeah, now oh. I got to look up the list of the songs. I know, I know my favorite routine was uh, Travolta and Walkin' Dancing. The two of them, I, I again, just think the two of them were hilarious. But song-wise... Oh, I, I forgot about... Um, the New Girl in Town, I, I'm not saying that's my favorite song, but I love the two different versions of that. There's the, the white girl version and the black girl version of The New Girl in Town, where she gets hit by a truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, they're good. She, she was The New Girl in Town. <laughs> uh, that's a great song. And it's so, like, John Waters-esque with something he would he would write but um and it's funny because in the music there or in the in the original there's cues for all the songs i mean because obviously they're written based on the original source material but it's funny because when they say the cues it seemed i could see where the songs would fit in and it was funny um but anyway uh i'm looking at the list now Thank too you. welcome to the 60s was pretty fun too it's a really good song. Yeah, especially when they go by the bar and there's a two pregnant women drinking martinis and smoking. Yeah, that was kind of fun. I don't know. I, I really like the uh, the nicest kids in town just because James Marsden is just fun. I love him. I, that's all there is to it. I love him. Um, but I, I really like the duet of Your Timeless to Me where Walken is singing with Travolta about how yeah, that's a song. much she loves her. That It's just a great song. I think uh, my favorite is probably Big Blonde and Beautiful. Which one? Oh, that was the one. The Queen Latifah. Yeah. Her first oh. song. Yeah, that was good, too. I mean, all the songs were for, and the, if you look at it through, through the view of, like, musicals, they were really good. I mean, this was not, I mean, I don't think if you went to go, if you went to go see this on stage, there'd be any song that you'd be like, oh, well, that one totally bombed. I mean, they do what they're supposed to do. They have this, they have that up, you know, the uplift. They get the emotion across as they would be on stage, but. Uh, honestly, I wasn't a huge fan of the, uh, Miss Baltimore Crabs. I thought that's just because Michelle Pfeiffer can't sing. Yeah, She's that not a help. great singer. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, she occasionally like chewed some of the lyrics. So it was, uh, there were jokes in there that I could barely make out because it was hard to say what, hard to hear what she was saying. Mm-hmm. I also so. really liked, um, uh, the the Without Love song with Zac Efron, Nikki Blonsky, Amanda Bynes, you know, where they were all doing the... Oh, they were rescuing him from the house and all that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was just a fun song. Yeah. I mean, all the songs were fun. I mean, all of them were, you know, musical numbers. So, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. exactly what they Although I don't know, I'd say I Know Where I've Been was fun. It was a great song. But that's the that's the big protest song at the end. Oh, yeah. As they're marching, yeah. F- fun isn't the first yeah adjective I'd use. No, but I mean, but it was a, I mean, but it was a good. It was still a good song. Oh yeah, it was powerful. 
I, you know what else I thought was funny is when she whacks a cop with the sign. They go after her for uh, assault, and every time you go to the, they they go cut to the news. The story gets more and more. You know, it's like he, you know, struck him with a blunt object and you know knocked him unconscious. Then she hit. It, now she hit him with a crowbar, and he's in traction. She and assaulted now, an eagle scout. Yes, it's <laughs> oh that whole that whole thing keeps going and getting worse and worse every time the guy shows up on on TV. So. But no, it's music was good, ending was good. I don't know what else to say. Racism was solved because a dance show in Baltimore got integrated. Done. It wasn't solved across the United States, you big galoo. It wasn't even solved in Baltimore. I mean, the big point was made that uh, the Supreme Court already said, don't do this. Baltimore decided to do this anyway. And this is the story of how these people forced this small change forward. So it was small, but very important change. It was solved in that room in Baltimore. Right. And with those people that were involved. Yeah. And Baltimore still had not discovered the rest of the world at this point. As far as we know, they still haven't. A <laughs> uh, couple of them made it out. No, I think they were ejected. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> uh, never mind. How low have you gotten when Baltimore doesn't even want you? Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, I got Could be do. worse. Could be Cleveland. That's true. So, I mean, I don't know if anybody has anything else to say about this, but to bring it back around to the original point, Mike had seen both. I yeah. was a seen this one a ton of times. Josh had seen the original a ton of times, and Pat had seen neither. Where do we all stand after seeing them and after talking about them all? Just to recap, Patrick, wait, I have I have it in my head. You made me watch this. I'm never going to watch it again. <laughs> so hated the original. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Thumbs down the... on the original, and probably probably it would have to be a thumbs down on the on the remake as well. If forced to pick one or the other. Joel? Yeah, it was my turn? Okay. Me turn? He's me turn. <laughs> um, the original definitely doesn't stand as, as one of my all-time favorite John Waters films. But I liked it. And um, this one, I I think just from the sheer number of times I've seen it, uh, I'm, I'm a fan of. Definitely. So, two thumbs up both ways. Both films. I pretty obviously love the original and I was concerned that my love for the original and the fact that they changed so many things would make me hate the remake. I still prefer the original, but the remake was good. Like it's two thumbs up for me. Okay. I remember liking the original and after watching it, it was kind of like, again, kind of cringy. Uh, so I can't say I got a thumbs up on the first one. It's kind of like a thumb sideways. Like, eh, <laughs> it's all right. You know, I'm not going to watch it again. Uh, for the uh, musical, uh, I have it on I have it on DVD, but that DVD also has a uh, Goodwill sticker on it, so I uh, did get it for a dollar ninety nine. So, but no, I, it's it was good. It was fun to watch. You know, it's I'm not saying it's going to be like in in the rotation for uh, you know movies all the you know, that we watch every week. I mean, it's not going to replace any of my standard. I feel like watching a movie movies, but, you know, it was good. I'd say, you know, three-quarter thumbs up. <laughs> That's a new one, I think, isn't it? Yeah, just kind of like maybe like a 45-degree thumb. Oh, we've had 45-degree thumbs before. Have we? Yep. Huh. Huh. So All right. Yeah. So 
next week, we're sticking with some more things that we're totally down with. We're talking about pop princesses. Yeah, we did a boy band show, but we're going the opposite direction, both uh, in terms of gender and in terms of going from a group to solo artists, Mm -hmm. all the way from Madonna up to Taylor Swift. Yeah, I told my girls about this one, and they're putting together a playlist for me. Nice. Yeah, we'll uh, we're going to talk about. I mean, how far are we going back on this one? Are we going back to? I'd say eighties. Eighties. Okay, start in the eighties with that. Then probably you know. Because that's really where, I mean, it's not where it started, but it's really where it hit a different stride. I mean, if you look at the Tiffany and the Debbie Gibsons and the, you know, that era, didn't we all? (laughs) Yeah. And we looked at her again later. What? Well, no, I'm I'm, I'm just thinking it's like we're not going as far back like, you know, Leslie Gore. (laughs) Got a nice beat, but I can't dance to it. So, yeah. Well. Now, I think we'll also discuss, you know, like solo female artists. I mean, what are we going to talk about? How pop are we getting and how pop or how far away from like mainstream pop are we going to get? Well, we'll talk about that. I don't think we're going very far yeah. away from mainstream pop or it's going to be a 17 hour show. That was a no, teaser. No Nina Hagen or anything. <laughs> yeah. Do a whole show on Kate Bush. <laughs> um, I, well, what, what did I do? Did I just make some sort of racial thing? No, I, I'm a fan, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do a whole show on Kate Bush and I'm, <laughs> <laughs> that might end up like our birthday show jesus okay. all right so if uh you want to give us a call uh tell us what you thought about hairspray or any particular pop princess you want to make sure that uh we cover in next week's show you yeah. can give us a call at 708 now rap that's 708-669-9727 yeah let us know if you want us to cover bush yikes mm. <laughs> with what <laughs> pat just woke back up <laughs> Bush, I got Bush. What? No. <laughs> Gavin Rossdale is not a pop princess. <laughs> ah. <laughs> no, we were talking about pubes. Oh. We were? <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. All right, we're going to do this thing. Yep. We still need a topic. We we just no, we talked just, about it. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, we literally just all agreed on it. You agreed to it, too. What Apparently, is it? Pat's doing an Alzheimer's show. Uh, what, what princesses. Oh, yeah, that's right. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, move on. Let's move on quickly. What the that's fuck? That's not important right now because it's not a topic. <laughs> you, you remember Mr. Tiffany? Shut up. Ha, ha, ha.